Chapter Ten of My Confession by Leo Tolstoy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Chapter Ten. I understood what I have just stated, but my heart was none the lighter for it. I was now ready to accept any faith that did not require of me a direct denial of reason, for that would be to act a lie and i studied the books of the buddhists and the mahometans and especially also christianity both in its writings and in the lives of its professors around me i naturally turned my attention at first to the believers in my own immediate circle to learned men to orthodox divines to the elders among the monks to the teachers of a new shade of doctrine the so-called new christians who preach salvation through faith in a redeemer i seized upon these believers and demanded from them what they believed in and what for them gave a meaning to life notwithstanding that i made every possible concession that i avoided all disputes i could not accept the faith of these men i saw that what they called their faith did not explain but obscured the meaning of life and that they professed it not in order to answer the question as to life which had attracted me towards faith but for some other purpose to which i was a stranger i remember how terribly i felt the return of the old feeling of despair after the hopes with which my connection with these people had from time to time inspired me the more minutely they laid their doctrines before me the more clearly i perceived their error the more i lost all hope of finding in their faith an explanation of the meaning of life i was not so much alienated by the unnecessary and unreasonable doctrines which they had mingled with the christian truths always so dear to me as by the fact that their lives were like my own the only difference being that they did not live according to the doctrines which they professed i felt that they deceived themselves and that for them as for myself the only meaning of life was to live from hand to mouth and take each for himself all that his hands can lay hold on i saw this because had the ideas of life which they conceived done away with fear privation suffering and death they would not have feared them but these believers of my own class the same as i myself lived in comfort and abundance struggled to increase and preserve it were afraid of privation suffering and death and again like myself and all other not true believers satisfied the lusts of the flesh and led lives as evil as if not worse than those of infidels themselves no arguments were able to convince me of the sincerity of the faith of these men only actions proving their conception of life to have destroyed that fear of poverty illness and death so strong in myself could have convinced me and such actions among them i could not see such actions i saw indeed among the open infidels of my own class and life but never among its so-called believers i understood then that the faith of these men was not the faith which i sought that it was no faith at all but only an epicurean consolation i understood that this faith if it could not really console could at least soothe the repentant mind of a solomon on his deathbed but that it could not serve the enormous majority of mankind who are born not to be comforted by the labours of others but to create a life for themselves for mankind to live for it to continue to live and be conscious of the meaning of its life all these millions must have another and a true conception of faith it was not then that i solomon and schopenhauer had not killed ourselves 
which convinced me that faith existed but that these millions have lived and are now living carrying along with them on the impulse of their life both solomon and ourselves i began to draw nearer to the believers among the poor the simple and the ignorant the pilgrims the monks the sectaries and the peasants the doctrines of these men of the people like those of the professed believers of my own class were christian here also much that was superstitious was mingled with the truths of christianity but with this difference that the superstition of the believers of my own class was not needed by them and never influenced their lives beyond serving as a kind of epicurean distraction while the superstition of the believing laboring class was so interwoven with their lives that it was impossible to conceive them without it it was a necessary condition of their living at all the whole life of the believers of my own class was in flat contradiction with their faith and the whole life of the believers of the people was a confirmation of the meaning of life which their faith gave them thus i began to study the lives and the doctrines of the people and the more i studied the more i became convinced that a true faith was among them that their faith was for them a necessary thing and alone gave them a meaning in life and a possibility of living in direct opposition to what i saw in my own circle the possibility of living without faith and not one in a thousand who professed himself a believer amongst the people there was not in thousands a single unbeliever in direct opposition to what i saw in my own circle a whole life spent in idleness amusement and dissatisfaction with life i saw among the people whole lives passed in heavy labour and unrepining content in direct opposition to what i saw in my own circle men resisting and indignant with the privations and sufferings of their lot the people unhesitatingly and unresistingly accepting illness and sorrow in the quiet and firm conviction that all was for the best in contradiction to the theory that the less learned we are the less we understand the meaning of life and see in our sufferings and death but an evil joke these men of the people live suffer and draw near to death in quiet confidence and oftenest with joy in contradiction to the fact that an easy death without terror or despair is a rare exception in my own class a death which is uneasy rebellious and sorrowful is among the people the rarest exception of all these men deprived of all that for us and for solomon makes the only good in life experience the highest happiness both in amount and kind i looked more carefully and more widely around me i studied the lives of the past and contemporary masses of humanity and i saw that not two or three not ten or a hundred but thousands and millions had so understood the meaning of life that they were able both to live and to die all these men infinitely divided by manners powers of mind education and position all alike in opposition to my ignorance were well acquainted with the meaning of life and of death quietly laboured endured privation and suffering lived and died and saw in all this not a vain but a good thing i began to grow attached to these men the more i learned of their lives the lives of the living and of the dead of whom i read and heard the more i liked them and the easier i felt it so to live i lived in this way during two years and then there came a change which had long been preparing in me and the symptoms of which i had always dimly felt the life of my own circle of rich and learned men not only became repulsive but lost all meaning whatever 
all our actions our reasoning our science and art all appeared to me in a new light i understood that it was all child's play that it was useless to seek a meaning in it the life of the working classes of the whole of mankind of those that create life appeared to me in its true significance i understood that this was life itself and that the meaning given to this life was a true one and i accepted it end of chapter ten recording by expatriate in bangor maine